It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everybody, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarSports.media. And welcome back to the show, everyone. We've got a great one for you today here on this Saturday, June 12th, as we look to preview UFC 263 Adesanya versus Vittori 2. Uh, I say it every time, but great to be back with you guys. Obviously, been uh, a long time. The mailman's been dealing with some uh, some stuff, but you know, hey, we're here to, to preview uh, 263. Should be a great card. Have a shit ton of uh, main card showdown uh, announcements that maybe we'll do today, maybe we'll do in the coming week. Uh, we are approaching the one year anniversary of the main card showdown. Um, actually, no, excuse me. We're approaching the the uh, anniversary of North Star Sports. It's going to be our third third birthday on uh, June 19th uh, we are coming up on the main card showdown uh, anniversary in about a month got those uh, confused I'm just way too excited to be back on air uh, a lot of stuff that we want to do uh, I don't want to spoil anything but you know some pretty big uh, you know changes to the main card showdown uh, obviously like usual I'm running late so we have absolutely no fucking time to diddle around so we're gonna get right into the meat of this. Uh, we're going to fly through some of these prelims. It is a pretty big card. I think there's 14 fights uh, on this card. You know, some of the prelims, we'll, we'll blow through them. I really want to, you know, do some deep dives on some of the fights on the um, on the main card because it is a, uh, a very, very stacked card. So uh, we'll waste no time here. We'll start off in the heavyweight division for the prelim opener between Carlos Felipe and Jake Collier. Felipe is 10-1. and one. Collier is 12-5. and five. Uh, We'll also take a look at the Odds Shark odds for this one. They'll have Felipe as the minus 185 favorite, and that's good enough for me. I, I don't have a whole lot to say about uh, either of these two fighters. Uh, I was impressed with the, the toughness uh, of Carlos Felipe, his last two fights, uh, his last two wins uh, over Jorgen DeCastro and Justin Taffa. Nothing special. I don't think anything of those fighters. Uh, but they were slugfests, and you know the fact that both of them went to uh, the, the the final bell uh, is impressive. I mean, it is a heavyweight division, the sloppiest division in the UFC, but you know they swing hard, and uh, they were swinging often in that. So this guy's got a, a good chin. I like him over Collier. Collier is, uh, I believe, he was a middleweight for his first tenure in the UFC. So you know he's just a fat guy who you know doesn't like eating salads. I guess I don't. I don't know. I don't want to be a dick about it, but. Uh, I don't know why people like that are in, are in the UFC taking up roster spots. So, well, obviously, go Carlos Felipe to win this one. And I think he finishes him in the first round because I think Collier's uh, uh, not that good. All right, moving on here to the lightweight division. We'll have a bout here between Faris Ziam and Luigi Vendramini. Ziam is going to be the minus 140 favorite. Uh, two guys, both uh, pretty young in their uh, in their careers uh, in the UFC. Vendramini, only 25 years old. He uh, has the nickname that uh, Marvin Vittori should have, which is the Italian Stallion. That's just a fucking classic. So it makes me like Vendramini already. Plus, you know, anybody whose first name is Luigi is just a 
a legend like uh oh who was that nba player who ugh, played for, he's a coach for the, the wolves now or maybe he got fired probably got fired because the wolves suck but uh oh man i love that guy i love picking him up in 2k but either way luigi you know that's a legendary name uh the UFC, I don't know if they're fans of him because they were uh, they, they, they made him debut against Alessio Zaleski Dos Santos. I thought Zaleski Dos Santos for like a two-year stretch, and obviously he's had a couple of losses and, and fallen off a little bit. I, I thought he was one of the most underrated fighters on the UFC roster. I was so impressed with Alessio Zaleski Dos Santos. That was my find. That was my guy that nobody knew that I was like, damn, he's on like a seven-fight winning streak. He's just... You know, knocking people out, and then he lost to Legion Leong or whatever his name is. I'm sure I messed that up in a horribly offensive way. Um, the Leech, the Leech. I know that's his nickname. Um, but yeah, where the fuck was I going with that? Either way, uh, I I like that they put an Italian on the uh, probably the only other Italian uh, on the UFC roster on the same card as Marvin Vittori. The UFC is brilliant at doing stuff like that. And uh, Ziam, I, I definitely picked him to lose against uh, Jamie Malarkey, but he had a really nice performance against Jamie Malarkey. Um, for me, it's a pick em. The odds would almost reflect that. I, I, I'll go Luigi Vendramini on this one, but uh, really, you know, it's, it's a coin flip. All right, moving on here in the featherweight division, we'll have a fight here between Steven Peterson and Chase Hooper. Peterson is 18 and 9, Hooper 10, 1 and 1. Peterson's going to be the minus 115 favorite. I think that's an understatement. Um, Not a fan of Chase Hooper. Not a fan of Chase Hooper. Not, Not because of anything personally, just I don't think he belongs in the UFC. I think the UFC is actually doing him a disservice. Uh, he needs to be on the regional scene. Uh, a lot of times, you only get one real shot at the UFC, and uh, I think they're wasting it. I think this guy is clearly not uh, a UFC fighter. He's not at that level. That's not to say that he won't be at that level someday, but send, you know, he, he, he already was on a developmental deal before they signed him. Dude, send him to LFA, have him get some more wins against, you know, commensurate talent. And, and then bring him back when he's like 24 or 25, which is still super fucking young. You know, they're doing this guy a disservice because you cannot... I've, I've said this for every Chase Hooper fight, but I'm just going to, you know, recycle my fucking soapbox speech here. But you can't learn in the UFC. The UFC is a place where either you're ready to win or you're not. You can't learn in the UFC. Paige Van Zant didn't learn in the UFC. Sage Northcutt didn't learn in the UFC. Fucking, there's countless prospects there's no shortage of, of talent, and the the amount of people who have learned in the UFC is fucking unbelievably thin. Like, it's fucking crazy. Like, the best thing you could hope for Chase Hooper, because there's no way he's going to be successful in the UFC on his first tenure, the, the only thing you could hope for a guy like Chase Hooper is the UFC cuts him quickly, he goes to a regional scene and, come, and comes back, and then maybe he's like a Robbie Lawler, you know, where Lawler was in the UFC, and uh, come completely different eras here but you know Lawler was in the UFC when he was like fucking 20 lost to Nick Diaz and then 11 years later he comes back and becomes champ but uh he's good on the ground I don't doubt it but Peterson's pretty dangerous on the feet so Hooper showed a real inability to take down uh, opponents in his fight against Caceres that was just brutal that fight against Caceres was brutal I mean it was 
you you turn that up a couple of shades and it's Mike Davis and Thomas Gifford like that's that's the level of um I don't want to say any term that would imply like illegality but irresponsible it's just irres- it's it's literally irresponsible to this kid's health to put him in the UFC um and then, and then he comes back and beats Peter Barrett he was losing those first two rounds he needed he needed the submission and, and Peterson's fucking dangerous, dude. That was a guy who uh, had the uh, uh, spinning back fist against Mart- Martin Bravo. That was his last fight. It's actually been fucking... Wow, it's been almost two years since Peterson uh, has had a fight. But, you know, that's his last performance, and he's got some losses sprinkled in there. I think this is about as even as you could get. Matchmaking for Chase Hooper, because he can't really get more bottom of the, the totem pole than Steven Peterson, with all respect, and with all respect... Uh, the fact that his career is still going and that he could change that. I'm not, you know, whenever I say something, it's not, you know, in perpetuity. But uh, I think Peterson's going to win, and I think Peterson probably knocks him out because Chase Hooper's defense is really not good, really not good. It's just if Peterson wants to get reckless and, uh, you know, get caught in a heel hook or get taken down or, you know, whatever. But, yeah, I, I feel pretty confident that Peterson's going to beat Hooper. All right, moving on here to the lightweight division. We have a fight here between Matt Frivola and Terrence McKinney. Frivola is 8-2-1. McKinney is 10-3. We'll take a look here at the odds for this one. They will have no odds for this one, I guess. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, or am I just stupid? Uh, well, it could be both. I guess that's not mutually exclusive, but I can't find the odds for that one. Um, either way, I would I would favor uh, Matt Frivola in this one. Uh, kind of had a little bit of a confusing uh, career up to this point, you know, at the lower levels. Uh, solid solid nickname, the Steamroller. You know, you got to love it. Uh, McKinney making his uh, uh, UFC debut, so that's obviously going to go... Uh, gonna go against him that never goes for somebody but um you know he, he lost his last fight against Armand Sarukian I think Armand Sarukian is a future UFC uh lightweight champion so I, I don't get too down on Frivola for losing that one I'm, I'm very very high on the likes of uh, Armand Sarukian you know he had a controversial split decision win against Luis Pena I thought he won that fight if I'm remembering correctly but I know a lot of people thought Pena had won that not a hill I'm gonna die on Went to a draw with uh, Lando Venata, and he got wrecked in a minute by uh, Polo Reyes. So it's he's UFC talent. He, he definitely has some UFC wins, but it's kind of tough to to hone in on where Matt Frivola is um, in his career. And uh, McKinney on a three-fight winning streak, three-fight finish streak. Uh, he he does have two losses. Uh, to uh, UFC fighters, or at least at one point. I think Derek Minner might have been cut, but uh, he, he has a loss to Derek Minner and a loss to Sean Woodson. I'm just going to go Frivola just because he's he's been in the UFC. You know, If it's somebody making his debut that I don't fucking know who they are and they're not the, the next big thing coming into the UFC, uh, you know, I'm wrong on many picks, but I'll, I'll stick with the more proven talent in uh, Matt Frivola. All right, moving on here to the women's bantamweight division. We have a fight here between Penny Kianzad and Alexis Davis. Kianzad is 14 and 5. Davis is 20 and 10. Take a look at the odds here. They'll have Kianzad as the minus 200 favorite. 
Um, I'm I'm a little bit confused. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm a little bit confused by the matchmaking here. I don't understand why you have uh, a relatively young talent uh, in Penny Kianzad who is ranked, and why you would have her fight Alexis Davis who is not ranked. Um, Alexis Davis is not that big of a name, and uh, I, I would think you would want Kianzad to be looking up, especially considering uh, there really is no new talent in the 135-pound division. The top 10 is the same as it was in 2016, just boring and stale. So I, I don't know the, the hesitation. Maybe, I guess maybe they couldn't find somebody. There's so many idiosyncrasies and, you know, weird things when it comes to matchmaking but this one really really doesn't make uh make too much sense here um i i do like kianzad in this one i guess people are, are saying watch out for alexis davis you know i i don't really know about that i think she, i think she's on a sizable she was on a sizable losing streak okay so she beat sabina mazo but you know she was on a three fight losing streak before that uh, definitely, definitely some tough competition. You know, some people who, uh, you know, were the uh, the flavor of the day in the flyweight division. You know, a Jennifer Maya, a Chukagian, a Viviani Araujao. You know, fighters who kind of you thought they were the, the 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 next thing next to Shevchenko, and then obviously nobody is, so they weren't. Um, I'm gonna go Kianzad, obviously by uh, decision. Neither of these fighters are uh, are finishers. That's for. That's for sure. The defense on Kianzad concerns me. Alexis Davis, statistically, is is just a, a 500 fighter, lands one and, and absorbs one. But Kianzad actually gets out outstruck, and I, when I think of her, I don't exactly think of you know a, a tremendous wrestler. Um, so that's a little bit concerning. That's something to watch as she uh, gets into the top ten. But I think she will get into the top ten, and I think she'll beat Alexis Davis. All right, moving on here to the featherweight division. We'll have a fight here between Hakeem Dawudu and Movzar Evloev. Dawudu is 12-1-1. and Evloev is 14-0. and uh, I believe this is opening up the uh, the standard prelims. Uh, so we are finished with the, uh, the early prelims, if I'm to understand that correctly. Uh, the UFC has both of these fighters ranked, so they will have Evloev at 14 and Dawudu at 15. Uh, we take a look at the North Star Sports rankings. We have Evloev at 15. We do not have Dawudu ranked. I really want to have him ranked, but the flyweight, or excuse me, the, the featherweight division is so stacked that I, I can't find a, a place for him. I mean, really. You know, the top of the division is a little stagnant. You know, Ortega's fighting for the title, but, you know, he's fought once in the last fucking decade. You know, Zabit uh, has been talking about retirement. Yair is too afraid to fight. Calvin Cater's on ice permanently from the uh, the ass-whooping that Holloway gave him. Emmett tore his ACL. So, you know, really everything below that is super active, super interesting. I mean, Arnold Allen, Barboza, Chikadze, Burgos, Bryce Mitchell. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of interesting young talent at 145. I mean, it really is one of the uh, more underrated divisions uh, in the UFC. So I'm very excited for this one. I mean, these are two very good prospects. Uh, Evloev is going to be the minus 240 favorite. That's a little high for, for my liking. Uh, he's uh, obviously he's a pretty good uh, wrestler, but uh, I don't know. I feel like it probably should be a, a little bit closer. Dawudu is entering his prime. He is 
uh, 29 years old. Uh, the, the, the weird thing about Dawudu, and neither of these guys are, are real finishers, but the thing with Dawudu is uh, three of his last four fights have been split decision wins. So that's always always really interesting. You know, I've had this thing that I've talked about with like a Kamaru Usman or a Colby Covington or like an Arnold Allen. Like I, I kind of like these fighters that w- consistently win decisions because, you know, if you knock somebody out in the first round, that means you were the better fighter in that moment and you were such a good fighter that you, you there's no more moments after that. But I kind of respect fighters who win decisions because it means that you've, you know, won, you know, the, the, the majority of these individual moments that happen in a fight. You know, to me, that's something, to me, that's a bubble that doesn't burst as easy. You know, you see these people... I mean, maybe it's not the greatest example, but like you see these people like Paulo Costa who just finish fighters and, and, you know, there's no better way to climb up the rankings than finishing fighters. And, you know, they, they knock out, knock out, knock out, and then the bubble bursts. Uh, and, you know, maybe Adesanya is just the, the, the better fighter. I mean, obviously he is, he won, but, you know, I, I kind of like those fighters that win decisions over and over. Uh, because they're 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 safe. They're they're leveling up in a in a way that I don't think they're going to take you know uh, an unexpected unexpected step back. But with Dawadu, that's just real real weird. I think I agree with all those decisions. By the way, I don't think he's lost any of those fights. You know, going off of uh, prior recollection. But uh, yeah, uh, and, and the one finish he did have was against Yoshinori Hori, who has one of the one of the more interesting. Like he's his uh, his movement is like Wonderboy Thompson on steroids. That dude got, I mean, he gassed and got knocked out with a head kick. But I loved watching that fight, and I think he only had one fight in the UFC, and it was that loss. But he was so energetic with his movement. I was like, damn, that's that's uh, next level. But evidently, it wasn't because he got finished. But uh, I, I would agree with Evloev, uh, you know, being favored, and I am gonna pick him to win. Uh, coming off of a split decision against Nick Lentz. I think that was crazy. I think that was a unanimous decision victory in my mind. Out-wrestled uh, Mike Grundy, you know, 4-0 in, in the UFC. And, you know, I, I, either way, whoever wins this is, uh, you know, still going to have about 10 steps before they get to title contention just because, uh, you know, it's it's a long way to the top of the uh, the featherweight division, that's for sure. All right, moving on here. Uh, we have a women's flyweight fight here between Lauren Murphy and Joanne Calderwood. Murphy is 14 and four. Calderwood is 15 and five. Uh, we'll take a look at the odds here. They're going to have Joanne Calderwood as the minus 150 favorite. Um, we'll also take a look at the rankings here from North Star Sports. Uh, we have Murphy at three and Calderwood at six. I'm sure the UFC has something stupid uh oh no i guess they have it exactly the same as us i don't know me and the ufc are, are more so in lockstep now with our uh, rankings maybe they're poaching my rankings because i do post them before uh the media members that do it for the ufc post them um i think it'll be a close fight it'll it'll be a, a good fight i don't think there's going to be a whole lot of you know ridiculous action here i mean it is a wrestler versus a striker uh, murphy the wrestler calderwood you know the kickboxing striker uh, I would actually favor Lauren Murphy in this one. I think she's kind of the unsung hero of the 125 division. You know, like I said earlier, 
you know, with uh, Alexis Davis's losses to Araujao and, and Calderwood and, and, and fighters like this, Chukagian, you know, they kind of exploded to the top of this very shallow 125 division and they fizzled out. I would definitely not favor Lauren Murphy in a fight with Shevchenko, but but what I'm saying is I, I think she's the one that's always been there, uh, slowly, slowly climbed, and I think once she wins here, she probably gets a title shot, and you know, hopefully she gets uh, you know some recognition. She's not uh, an extremely exciting uh, fighter. She doesn't exactly always make it look easy. But uh, I, I think when it comes to consistency uh, in, in the 125 division, she might be the most consistent fighter outside of uh, Valentina. You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, Chukagian does have a lot of wins, but, you know, got the loss to uh, uh, Andrade, obviously the loss to Shevchenko. But, you know, Murphy, four-fight winning streak. Uh, two of those are, are finishes. Uh, so, I don't know. I think she wins here, and I think she's going to be uh, poised to, to do some uh, interesting interesting things. Uh, both of these fighters are uh, decision fighters. Murphy's average fight time is uh, 14 minutes and uh, 35 seconds. So, you know, that's uh, that's a, a little bit interesting. Calderwood does have a pretty high output. Uh, Murphy does get outstruck, although her defense is actually a, a better percentage than Calderwood. So that's, um, that's, that's a little interesting. But, you know, I think if she can take her down... Uh, that, that would be an interesting uh, wrinkle. The takedown defense for Call of Wood is not good, by the way. It's 53%, so that's, that's pretty pretty darn low. So uh, I, I think Murphy just kind of slugs it out and wins a 15-minute uh, a decision. All right, moving on here. Still on the prelims. Massive fight card here. Uh, massive fight here in the light heavyweight division. We'll have Eric Anders taking on Darren Stewart. Anders is 13 and 5. Stewart is 12 and 6. Uh, neither of those fighters are ranked. Anders will be the minus 150 favorite uh, come fight night. Um, obviously, this is a, uh, a rematch uh, from, I believe, a couple of months earlier. It ended in a, uh, uh, a no contest when uh, Eric Anders. Now, what did he hit him with? I think he hit. I think he needed Darren when he was a downed opponent. Uh, I, I like that they um, I like that they're running this one back. You know, there's no hurry for either of these fighters. You know, they're not ranked. It's not it's not Ankalaev and Kutalaba. We don't. First of all, we never needed to see that one ran back. But you know what I mean? Ankalaev was going to the top. Kutalaba was just fucking around, and they wasted Megamed Ankalaev. They wasted his time. But with these two fighters. They're never going to do anything significant in the UFC. I like that they're running it back. That's a, a better move for both of their careers. Anders was definitely winning that fight. He had Stewart hurt, and I, I, I picked Anders to win uh, the fight the first time. I'm going to pick uh, him to, to win the second time. I, I like what I saw the first time they fought. I think, you know, you have to pay some respect to Darren Stewart because, you know, both of these guys are very powerful. So, you know, Anders, you know, has to have some caution. But Anders is a very aggressive fighter. He's a real, real big uh, 185er this time they're fighting at 205 uh, so and Stewart was a middleweight for most of his career if I remember correctly so you know it's it's both two guys who didn't really want to cut down to, to 185 uh, you know build wise they're both uh, very similar but um, you know I, I think Anders is a very very explosive fighter he's actually one of my favorite fighters to watch who are not inside, you know, the top 15 of any division. 
Uh, I saw him knock out uh, Vinicius Mejeda back at the uh, UFC Minneapolis card. Uh, he, always, he always fights the toughest fighters, too. I mean, you know, he's got a, a bunch of losses in the UFC, but, you know, they're the, they're the pretty damn good fighters. You know, Leo Machida, Thiago Santos. Uh, Theodoro was a, a kind of a tough puzzle to, to figure out. And, um, you know, two, two wins in his last uh, six fights. Doesn't really tell, uh, you know, the entire story of Eric Anders' career. And uh, Darren Stewart... Outside of that one weird split decision loss to uh, Kevin Holland, you know, I've, I've never really seen a whole lot from uh, Darren Stewart. So uh, he, he has been around in the UFC pretty much just as long as Eric Anders, maybe a, a little bit longer. But uh, I think Anders is going to have the confidence from the uh, the first fight. Hopefully he doesn't uh, illegally knee him again. And I think he probably gets him out in, in the first round because he was kind of trending to do that uh, the first time. All right, moving on here to the prelim headliner. It's going to take place in the 155-pound division between Drew Dober and Brad Riddell. Dober is 23-10. and 10, Riddell is 9-1. and 1. Dober is going to be the minus-140 favorite. Uh, we will take a look at the rankings. We have Dober at 14, so a prime opportunity for Riddell to uh, try to crack into the top 15. Uh, I have a real tough time picking this fight. I really like both uh, fighters. Uh, I, I was going to have a tough time picking uh, Gillespie and Riddell because that was supposed to be the co-main event a couple of months ago for... Um, shoot, I, I forget which fight night that was for. But uh, I think this is going to be a pretty evenly uh, matched fight. Uh, a finish really wouldn't shock me. Uh, in this fight, if it happened uh, on either direction, obviously, uh, Riddell, I think Riddell's a striking coach, so R- Riddell's a really, really good striker. Drew Dober's a really fucking good striker as well. I think Dober's going to have some more power uh, than Riddell, and, you know, Dober ran into the buzzsaw known as Islam Makachev. Again, anytime you lose to somebody like that, I just kind of throw that out the window, man. Like, I don't even really consider that for this fight. Like, Riddell is not going to take him down, you know, he, he, he's not the wrestler that Makachev is, and it's like, you see a, a trender just, uh, a, a trender, you see a, a fighter just trending to the top, uh, and who knows where the ceiling is, I, I guess evidently he found it for now, but you know, you run into a, a fighter like that, man, I, I just toss it out. Uh, before that, he was on a three-fight finish streak, all knockouts, Polo Reyes, Nazareth, Hack, Parast, a nice, nice little... Uh, uh, prospect there, and uh, Alexander Hernandez, though his last loss before that was to Benil Dariush, and um, I don't know, I, I'd say Riddell is probably the more unknown fighter, obviously, uh, you know, the the junior in their uh, respective careers, you know, he's definitely going to have a lack of experience uh, that, that Dober is going to have, but, you know, he's, he's 3-0, and he's had some nice, nice wins, uh, close one against uh, Mustafaev who I think has a win over Kevin Lee and then he's coming off of a win over Alex De Silva which was uh, a very nice win it's hard for me to project Riddell to beat Dober so I, I am going to pick Dober to win this fight but you know at the same time Riddell's only ever been finished one time and it was by a, uh, a submission so for Riddell's sake, I want to say he's going to lose by decision, but, you know, I kind of feel like Dober's going to going to catch him, uh, which is a, a funny way of putting it because, uh, you know, that would imply that uh, he wasn't supposed to get him. But 
I'm going to say he lasts a little longer because the striking is is nice from Mardell. So I'm going to say round three TKO win for uh, Drew Dober. All right, moving on here to the main card. Uh, we'll kick it off here in the light heavyweight division between Paul Craig and Jamal Hill. Paul Craig is 14-4-1. Jamal Hill is 8-0. and oh, We'll take a look at the odds here. Jamal Hill... Uh, pretty uh, heavy favorite here, the minus 325 favorite. Uh, we'll take a look at uh, our North Star Sports odds. And uh, we do not have Jamal Hill ranked. We do have Paul Craig ranked uh, at 14. Uh, this this is a very interesting fight. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to go one of two ways. It's going to go Paul Craig win- winning by submission, or it's going to go Jamal Hill winning by knockout. There is no other possible outcome in this fight i feel very confident in saying that uh as plainly as i could put it it's it's a grappler versus uh a a striker i mean that's just that's just what it is you know people have been telling me that paul craig has good striking and that it's improved over his last handful of fights maybe it has improved but paul craig is not a good striker uh not a good striker uh i remember the spinning sidekick he tried to put on uh, Alonzo Menafield got absolutely fucking blasted by Menafield. Now, that was his last loss, and I think he learned not to be super creative with moves that uh, you haven't really tested out before uh, in the cage. Uh, since then, 3-0-1, got uh, a, you know, a win over Shogun Hua, a nice uh, choke of uh, Gedzimura and Antigulov and a uh, finish of Vinicius Maheda. The UFC has a nasty habit of putting this guy up against some of the brightest prospects in the 205-pound division. Uh, Tyson Pedro, Khalil Roundtree, Jimmy Crute, and Alonzo Menafield are all young prospects who have beaten Paul Craig in the past, and uh, three of those are by knockout. So, you know, when Paul Craig loses, he loses by finish. Uh, so... I feel very confident this doesn't go to a decision either way. But he, but at the same time, he's also turned away some prospects as well. You know, he beat Magomed Ankalaev with the last second uh, triangle choke. There's one second to go in the entire 15-minute fight, and he choked him out. Uh, he's also turned back uh, Kennedy Nzechukwu. Oh, yeah, that's a tough one for me to pronounce. But he turned back Kennedy and, uh, well, Antigulov's not a prospect, but, you know, th- this one's interesting. There seemed to be a little bit of bad blood between these two fighters. Apparently, there was some sort of verbal uh, spat at the uh, at the fighter hotel that definitely uh, got into it at the uh, ceremonial weigh-ins. You know, these are two big guys. I, I would imagine Jamal Hill, uh, they're both 6'4". Uh, I would imagine Jamal Hill cuts a decent amount of weight not a crazy amount of weight but i'd I'd imagine he cuts uh, a few pounds paul craig doesn't really cut anything to get to 205 he's a he's a pretty lean uh 205er and he's actually got uh a a nice reach he's not as nice as jamal hills he's gonna sacrifice three inches in in that respect but you know two fighters with uh, a long reach and uh jamal hill is coming off of that knockout of uh osp it's it's tough man i honestly i think if the fight goes to the ground even one time i think paul craig probably wins i i really do paul craig i mean shogun hua was trying to stick a thumb up his ass to stop him and it didn't stop him like when he gets a hold of you there's nothing you can do stick all the thumbs stick both thumbs up paul craig's ass you're not going to stop him he was checking for oil and i don't know if he found any but 
you're not going to stop Paul Craig if he gets a hold of you. So I literally think this fight is as simple as, does Paul Craig get a hold of Jamal Hill? If he does, he wins. It's a computer code. It's, it's, if A is true, B is true. If Paul Craig gets a hold of Jamal Hill, I think he chokes him out. If he doesn't get a hold of him, I think he gets knocked out. I really think this one's probably going to get get finished in the first round, maybe the second round. I really don't see this one going to a decision. I couldn't even comprehend how this goes to a decision. Like, Paul Craig just grapples with him for 15 minutes but doesn't finish. That doesn't compute in my head. Jamal Hill just beats him up for 15 minutes. Well, that doesn't really compute in my head either because Paul Craig has been knocked out a variety of times. So, this one is destined to not go to the final bell. Uh, I, I am going to make my pick, though. I do think Jamal Hill beats him. You know, beating OSP really says a lot to me. I don't know if I put OSP ahead of Paul Craig in my... Uh, well, I certainly put it, him behind Paul Craig in the rankings. But, you know, they're both kind of commensurate talent. So, you know, I, I, th- I think Jamal Hill probably gets it done. But th- th- this is going to be a pretty interesting fight to watch uh, regardless. All right, moving on here. Uh, we have a welterweight fight between Damian Maya and Bilal Muhammad. Maya is 28 and 10. Muhammad is 18 and 3. We'll take a look at the odds here. Uh, Muhammad's actually going to be the minus 225 favorite. I think that's interesting. I think uh, I think some people are forgetting about Damian Maya. Uh, that's that's for sure. Uh, we'll also take a look here at the rankings. Both of them are ranked. Damian Maya is actually going to be at seven. I know the UFC has him at nine. And Muhammad's at 11. I think the UFC has Bilal Muhammad at 12. Uh, we, we disagree a lot I, when it comes to the welterweight division rankings. That's um, that's for sure. That's for sure. Um, th- this one is, is tough for me to pick. I really want to go with Damian Maya. I, I really do. Because he's the best Brazilian jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu practitioner to ever set foot in the octagon. Okay. And that doesn't really go away. Like, maybe power slowly fades over time. You know, quickness definitely goes. Like, I don't know, man. You don't really, like, you don't really lose jujitsu. Like, he's, he's always going to be super dangerous. So, yeah, he's 43. I don't know, man. You know, is he... But again, it's, it's like, don't confuse me picking Damian Maya to beat Bilal Muhammad as me saying Bilal Ma- or Damian Maya is like gonna make another run for the title so like he lost to Gilbert Burns so is he worse than Gilbert Burns yes but Gilbert Burns is in the top three we're not talking about the top three we're talking about number 12 with Bilal Muhammad so do I think Damian Maya beats anybody ranked ahead of him Uh, probably not I mean you know there's an interesting discussion with like a Michael Chiesa or something but I think he loses to everybody ahead of him in the rankings but can he beat people behind him yeah we're gonna find out now honestly I, I think he I think he can you know, how how does Bilal Muhammad beat him? That's kind of what I want to know. Now, Bilal Muhammad is a very, very likable fighter. He's a very tough fighter. He's durable. He is well-rounded. He is a well-rounded fighter. But what does he excel at? What is he going to... How is he going to beat him? So, he's... I would be fucking floored if he out-wrestled Damian Maya. I, I would just... I'll make him the number one ranked fucking welterweight at North Star Sports dot media if he fucking out wrestles Damian Maya so it's like I don't think he's gonna out wrestle Damian Maya I don't think he's really gonna want to grapple uh, or, or clinch with Damian Maya because then you know it's it's the the threat of of the fight going to the ground I don't even think you want to be on top of Damian Maya 
Like, who has a more dangerous back game? Who has a more dangerous anything than Damian Maya? So I don't even think you'd want to be on the ground with him. Now, Damian Maya is not known as a striker, so you could say, well, Bilal Muhammad is, is the better striker. But, you know, is Bilal Muhammad that good of a striker? The, the, thing, the, thing, with, the thing for me with Bilal Muhammad is, you know, he's put together an impressive resume. He, he kind of goes on these moderate winning, winning streaks and then hits a loss, right? Four-fight winning streak, a loss to Jeff Neal. Four-fight winning streak, uh, a no contest against Leon Edwards. Now, we don't know how that one would have gone. I still would have picked Leon Edwards to win that fight, okay? Before the fight and seeing how the fight was going. But obviously, he got stopped with uh, an eye poke. But he, he's so labored when, when he fights, so even those wins, look at the Diego Lima win. That was a nice win for Bilal Muhammad, and he definitely won that fight, and he, he won it fairly handedly. Now, Lima did have some moments. He did hurt him. Uh, but, but like I said, Bilal Muhammad is a tough fighter. But everything's so labored. He doesn't do anything effortlessly. And, you know, per- perhaps I'm, I'm nitpicking. I'm picking nits. But... I don't know when you when you get when you get to somebody like Damian Maya, it just seems everything's so labored with with Bilal Muhammad. It, he makes, and, I, and I'm a fan of him. I don't I don't mean this in a disrespectful way. It's just the the most candid way I could put it. But he makes fighting look hard. He he really makes fighting look hard. And no fucking doubt it is. There's no question fighting is very hard. And you know, with that being said, he's got a very shiny record, a very good good record. He's a very promising uh, fighter. But I think he gets put back by Damian Maya here, and I think this is probably the biggest upset uh, on this entire card because I think people are so Damian Maya'd out, or maybe they're not even tired of Damian Maya. They've just kind of forgotten about him. But I don't know. I think I think he pulls off the upset here and, and beats Bilal Muhammad. Uh, and I think I think he chokes him out. By the way, uh, it, it wouldn't shock me if in a three round fight he he wins a decision. But I. I do think he chokes out Bilal Muhammad. I think at some point he takes his back, and he's going to win by a rear naked choke. All right, moving on here to the featured bout. It's the first ever non-main event fight to be a, uh, or a non-title fight, to be a five-round fight. It's going to be between Leon Edwards and Nate Diaz. Uh, we have Leon Edwards sitting at number three in the rankings. He's going to be the minus 525 favorite. That is f- fucking ridiculous. I don't know who would put money on Leon Edwards at minus 525. Now, I'm going I'm to kind of spoil it here and say that I'm picking Leon Edwards to win. But that being said, minus 525, I wouldn't put a fucking dollar on Leon Edwards. That's That's terrible. That's terrible. I might put money on Leon Edwards if he was the minus 200 favorite, but wow, we, I mean, I'm not that confident that fucking Leon Edwards is going to win. Like that is crazy. I think that's, you know, again, I, I'm not allowed to sports bet because I live in the great state of Minnesota, which is truly great in every respect, except for uh, certain freedoms like uh, sports betting. But I, I would probably put a couple of fucking dollar roonies on, on Nate Diaz because those odds are just fucking crazy, man. That's wild. He's the plus 365 uh, underdog, which, ugh, I don't know, man. <laughs> you know, he's not surprised. You know, he's definitely played spoiler before, so that's just tempting fate right there. And the bad luck that Leon Edwards must have coming off of a no contest, 
You know, I, I wouldn't tempt fate. I'd feel very bad if I was that big of a favorite. Um, but that being said, you know, I, I am picking uh, Leon Edwards uh, to win this one. I don't think it'll come easy. It'll probably be the toughest fight of his career, maybe outside of the loss to Kamaru Usman. But, uh, you know, I think I think this is going to be a very good one. I love the fact they made this five rounds. I think they got that correct. You know, they've never done that before for anything that wasn't a main event or a title fight. I think this is a, a great exception. You know, it, it really is. Nate Diaz is, you know, for as much as I shit on Nate Diaz, and, and rightfully so, and his fans who are just insufferable, you know, this dude is this dude is the king of cardio. I mean, there's there's never been a fight where he's ever gassed. Or, you know, maybe he's gassed a little bit, but there's never been a fight where he, th- that's ever stopped him. You know what I mean? He, he could be as tired as he wants. Like, the, the, he really is the, the Compton zombie. You know, he's like the Korean zombie in that respect. You know, he's just got a big block head, and, you know, you can't really knock him out. He's only ever been TKO'd one time by um, uh, Josh Thompson. And, uh, yeah, if he, this one's going to the final bell. Like, I, I really feel that, because it's, it's very hard to stop Nate Diaz. I mean, okay, well, I guess technically, Jorge Masvidal slash the doctors stopped that one. I mean, that is a real, real problem for Nate Diaz, you know, all the scar tissue that he has on his face. You know, because he might not be ready. He certainly is not ready to quit on a fight if he's bleeding. But, you know, the fact is, you know, the doctors got to do their job, and, you know, rightly or wrongly, if you're... F- faces sliding off of your skull, you know, the doctor is going to have to stop it. You know what I mean? He'd just fight like, uh, he'd fight without a face, but you know, the, the doctor is going to stop that. So that's a bit of a concern. And I think that is a little bit of uh, strategy for Leon Edwards or really anybody who fights Nate Diaz. Just punch him in the head a bunch. Just punch him in the head. Just cut him. Just cut him and just make that cut bigger. Cause that's really the only way you're going to stop uh, Nate Diaz. Um, I think Leon Edwards has good cardio as well. So, you know, I, I like that it's a five-round fight. Perhaps you got to give the advantage cardio-wise to Nate Diaz. But, you know, Edwards does have uh, elite elite cardio. If the fight goes to the ground, that's that's interesting to me. I'd, I'd like to see Leon Edwards on his back. I don't know how well he would do on his back. He's definitely a striker. And Nate Diaz is just well-rounded. I wouldn't... You know, he talks about a lot about the Caesar Gracie, uh, you know, black belt or whatever. I wouldn't even call him a, a grappler. I mean, because he's perfectly content just to sit there and, and swing. So, uh, you know, that that's the only interesting wrinkle for me. If it's just tit for tat and they're both striking and it's a, it's a kickboxing match, I'm picking Leon Edwards to win. If the fight goes to the ground well now that's interesting to me now that's interesting now we don't know that leon edwards is a bad grappler i don't at least i don't know that but it's just an unknown it's just an unknown i I, both of the both of these fighters uh their their defense statistically is uh, uh i've seen better percentages but they both land more than they get hit they're they're pretty similar in that respect uh, Nate Diaz is obviously a far more active fighter. Edwards does have a 70% takedown defense. So, you know, that's, I suppose, a lot of the reason why he hasn't been on the ground. But, you know, it, it depends on how many times Nate Diaz is going to want to shoot for a takedown. You know, again, like I said earlier, when it's all said and done, I do think Leon Edwards wins. And I think he wins by unanimous decision, but it. It wouldn't shock me if he won by TKO just 
off of a, a doctor stoppage, not off of a Nate's loopy and, you know, gets cracked in the head with a, a punch. You know, it's, it's just that scar tissue is very concerning for someone like Diaz, or someone like Nate Diaz because, you know, there's, there's really not a way to fix that. You just kind of got to live with it. All right, moving on here to the co-main event. Uh, we'll have a rematch here in the flyweight division for the uh, the championship of the world between Davis and Figueredo and Brandon Moreno. Figueredo is 21-1, and Moreno 18-5-2. Obviously, this is a rematch from, uh, I believe, back in December uh, where they went to, a, uh, a, I think, a split draw. Now... We know Davis and Figueredo won that fight. He, he won that fight. The only reason it was a draw is because, uh, you know, some, some kicks to the, to the figs. Some, ki- some kicks to the figs. But um, I think Figueredo is, is the far better fighter. I think Moreno performed uh, out of his gourd on that one. I think that's as good of, that's as good of a Brandon Moreno as we're ever going to see. So even if he comes out and does it again, it just goes back to a draw. I don't think we could see Brandon Moreno fight any better. Um, he was a lot tougher than I thought. He did take a lot of damage in that fight. And Davison, I've said this about some of his other fights. When he throws, you hold your breath. You know, you saw it a lot in, in the two Benavidez fights. But I've never seen somebody as small and light as Davison Figueredo. When he's throwing 100%, have that type of impact. I mean, when when he when he stalks you down and he's walking you down and walking you down and scuffling from, <clears throat> from side to side, and he just decides to throw a four-piece combo, it is scary because he could knock you out with any of those punches. And that's a cliche. I mean, any punch could knock out anybody if it goes to the right spot. But he just throws with such viciousness, and they're they're so clean. And his punches to the body, like they just kind of remind me of Aldo. Like they're they're just fucking brutal, and. I think I talked about this on the recap show uh, back in December, but his style almost reminds me of a a much more active Yoel Romero, where Romero, like two or three times, probably more like two, two times around, Romero just explodes. Like, he's just sitting there, he's sitting there, he's rocking back and forth, doing whatever, uh, lackadaisical, and then he'll explode for about six seconds twice around but those are very very dangerous that's where he knocked out Chris Weidman with a flying knee you know that's where he's finished a lot of fights and Figueredo's like that but he has like 15 bursts uh, around where it's just very active walking you down not really he, like he fights at he fights at range but he's always walking you down which is is interesting he's very good at, at gauging where he needs to be and then he'll just have these four or five second outbursts 10 times uh, uh, around where it's just Jesus he could they're, they're throwing a fight ending in you know intentions and he couldn't get Moreno out the first time I think he gets him out the second time there really does seem to be some bad blood between these two fighters and uh, I think Figueredo is is uh, much more talented who's tougher yeah, I don't know but I know Figueredo throws pretty fucking hard and he's he throws quick as well he probably he might even be quicker than Cody Garbrandt. You know, for a long time I've said Garbrandt's the quickest fighter with his uh, with his hands, but Figueroa's very very fast with with his hands. So I think he finishes him in the second round. You know, I think people will come into this fight expecting 
you know, because it went all five rounds last time, you know, that it's going to be another fight of the year. It's going to go 25 minutes. Uh, taper your expectations or rise them, I guess, because, you know, a knockout would be pretty awesome. I think Figueredo knocks out Moreno in uh, round number two. All right, moving on here to the main event. It's going to be for the middleweight championship of the world between Israel Adesanya and Marvin Vittori. Adesanya is 20-1, and Vittori 17-3-1. Uh, Adesanya will be the minus 265 favorite. Uh, obviously, he is the, uh, the champion, and Marvin Vittori, we will have him ranked at number three in the uh, North Star Sports UFC rankings. Um, as, as time has kind of winded down on this matchup, as, as we, you know, inch closer to this matchup, I am so much more invested than I was before. You know, obviously, I watched the fight the first time. Uh, it, was, it was a close fight, and, you know, it really wasn't that long ago. You know, it was about three years ago. And uh, I don't really think anything anything of it. You know, you hear what Marvin Vittori says, you know, the last couple of years, really since that fight happened, but, you know, certainly as he's rose towards title contention. You know, I want to fight Israel Adesanya. I'd like to get that fight back. Okay, I mean, that's what anybody would say if you lost to somebody who's the champ. That's nothing crazy or groundbreaking. But the fucking bad blood in this fight that has really shown itself, uh, you know, the, the, the last couple of weeks really really and truly has got me invested in this fight i i'm you know beyond interested in this one i think the timing of this fight is interesting as well you know adesanya coming off that loss to jan blahovich and then marvin vittori you know who's on uh what is it a four fight winning streak you know really shut down kevin holland excuse me five fight winning streak you know really shut down kevin holland really shut down uh jack hermanson shut down carl roberson you know, so since the split decision lost to Adesanya, none of these fights have been even remotely close for Vittori. Now, you could question the level of competition for Vittori, and I think that's obviously fair. And it obviously has been a worse level of competition than for Adesanya. But, you know, it's undeniable that when Marvin Vittori fights, uh, he, f- he fucking dominates. Like, that's just that's just what he does. Like, there never was a second of that fight with uh, Kevin Holland that you ever thought Kevin Holland stood a chance. I mean, he just blanked him from start to finish. Jack Hermanson. You pre- a lot of people probably picked Hermanson to win that fight, but once that fight started happening, you know, he, he busted up Hermanson's orbital and, and, you know, things like that. I mean, it just wasn't close. You know, Carl Roberson, you know, just grappled with him, never really got hit, just kind of walked him down and finished him in, in the first round. So, you know, the manner in which Marvin Vittori has been winning his fights, I think, is really what makes this one compelling. And, uh... You know, stylistically, I think it's interesting. You know, it was it was interesting the first time, it, it, and it was a close fight. Don't let anybody tell you it it wasn't close. That was a close fight. Now, I had I had Adesanya winning that fight, but you have to give. I believe it was the second round. You have to give the second round to Marvin Vittori, and um, it's 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 going to be interesting because Blahovich put out the blueprint on how to beat Adesanya. Now, what Adesanya does to adjust. We'll see. So, you know, perhaps the blueprint, uh, you know, is going to surely the blueprint will change a little bit. You know, he's going to patch up some holes and maybe focus in some areas that might open up some other things. Who knows? But I do know that somebody like a Marvin Vittori, who does have a chin, uh, 
walks forward and wants to get in close to you, that's how you're going to beat Adesanya. So Adesanya's got that 80-inch reach advantage. Well, it doesn't really fucking matter when you're right in his face. Now they're just arms. Now it doesn't really matter that, you know, the length of your arms. Um, I think Whitaker's a really, really good fighter. And I don't know, I don't know for a fact. I know, I obviously know what happened in the fight. I don't know for a fact that Adesanya's better than Whitaker. I just don't know. I need to see that fight happen again. I know that Adesanya won. I know he knocked him out. So it sounds crazy to say. But I don't know for a fact that Adesanya is better than Whitaker. I, I only know what I saw in that fight and what Adesanya has done. If I had to guess, based on the fight, I would say Adesanya is better. But Whitaker just fought him at range. And I don't think you really ever want to fight Izzy at range. Now, Jan did have some success at range just boxing. Just boxing with, with Izzy. But... There would never be a strategy that I would ever suggest somebody employs against Israel Adesanya. So, he does have the ability, due to his, you know, weird body dimensions to, like he did against Whitaker, kind of lean back and throw just winning, winging punches and knock people out. So it's not a foolproof plan. It's not as simple as just get up in Izzy's face and you'll win. There's obviously a lot more that, that comes with that. But... I don't know, man. I just if you if you march forward and you got a wheel of cheese for a head, and and you know you've you've never been knocked out before, and you're strong, you can bully him up in in, in the clinch. Obviously, if you take him down, that's a fuck. That's obviously where Marvin Vittori wants to be. You know, it's it's certainly not a given that Israel Adesanya stops the takedown of Marvin Vittori. I mean, just as it's not a given that Vittori takes him down. I mean, that's I think that's really where the um, the fight's going to be determined is, uh, you know, can he take him down? Now, an 82% takedown defense would suggest that Adesanya is pretty darn good at stopping takedowns, but, you know, Marvin Vittori, 45% takedown accuracy, that's pretty darn high as as well. Obviously, you know, any takedown is going to favor the person stuffing it, just, you know, percentage-wise. I don't know. I am going to pick Israel Adesanya to win this fight. I think it'll be a lot closer than people realize. Do not be surprised if Marvin Vittori wins, especially if he can implement his game plan. And that's kind of a cop-out answer, but really, that, that's just what I don't know. Can Marvin Vittori take him to the ground? I don't I don't think he has. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't think Marvin has to take him down to the ground to win this fight, but I think his chances certainly go up if he does. I could see Marvin Vittori crowding Israel Adesanya, walking him down for 25 minutes, and not winning every exchange, but winning the majority of exchanges and winning the fight. I wouldn't bet money on that happening, but I I could see that being a legit possibility. But if Marvin can take him down and get him flat on his back, I don't really know how Israel gets up. Like, Marvin's a very heavy-looking guy. He does have a very strong back, and he has good uh, top pressure as well. We've seen that, you know, certainly in, like, the Carl Roberson fight. So that's what it comes down to. But given that's kind of an unknown, I will pick Israel Adesanya to win this fight. Now, can, now the question for me, I'm going to pick Israel Adesanya, which I don't, I don't feel great about, but I think is the most likely scenario. 
but does he finish him? That's that's really the 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 big question for me. He's never been finished. There's not a lot of people who can just take a beating from Adesanya for five rounds. Kelvin did. Kelvin did. I I think this goes to a, a decision. I think it goes to a decision. Obviously, there's always the threat of the knockout. Is is a weird guy? You know, he's a stick figure. Can can you know throw stuff from where other people can't. But I want to pick Israel Adesanya to win by uh, unanimous decision. I, I think that's probably the most likely scenario for this one. All right, with that, we'll uh, wrap it up here. So, again, uh, we got the main card showdown, NSS 43, uh, in, in a matter of hours. You can check me out on Twitter at Owen Ely MN, North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Got to check out our website at NorthStarSports.media. And thanks for tuning in, everybody.